0: Good evening and welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. This is Brian in Buffalo, New York, US of A, and with me as always...
1: Is Lauren from Swansea. How are you, Brian?
0: I am hot, Lauren, and I don't mean sexy. I mean hot. It's like that major heat wave across the US is hitting me. Right now, and it's only going to get worse over the next couple of days. But uh, we
1: don't. We don't have a heat wave at the moment. We've had a very rainy, um, very rainy, very rainy few weeks, which has been a bit awful for my peppers because they have not grown or flowered. I think the buds that have formed, they're trying, but I don't. You're think growing buds.
0: <laughs> Lauren's growing what a weed.
1: Flower. They flower, and then they turn into peppers, into red peppers. But I think they're just going to rot. My tomatoes, however, are doing really well.
0: Oh, yeah, the tomatoes, tomatoes.
1: Um, I they, made you say it
0: proper. I just love that tomatoes will grow anywhere. You can grow tomatoes in your bathroom.
1: Um, actually, I went for a walk, Um, and where I live, there's like a... Piece of green space. It's a park, but it hasn't got any play things in there. And I see this big, huge vine, and I'm like, oh, that's a tomato plant. Somebody's just thrown away a tomato plant, and it's not. It is an actual tomato plant growing in the middle of the park. I think what's some of the college, like, like we have a sixth form college nearer, and I think they must have been eating a sandwich with a tomato in it, thrown it around, and the seeds have gone in the ground, or a bird or something has had it, tomato. And a then, tomato.
0: Tomato. 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 You just keep saying that word wrong.
1: You you keep saying it wrong.
0: Do you know what word I always say wrong? Plague. Wrong. (laughs) Get it? And I say plague correct, by the way.
1: Plague. Plague. Plague.
0: Plague. Oh, dear. Oh, oh. You, you know, you just want to make fun of me. It's not my fault you don't know English.
1: <clears throat> well, there are some parts of America that still talk that they suppose still talking in an, with an accent that is as close to the Elizabethan accent as you will get.
0: Yeah. And what do you call those places? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't ever hear that. People talk funny all over the States though. They all don't have that perfect accent like uh us in Western New York. Actually people know, across know. the world make fun of the Western New York accent, so
1: I, I quite like the New Jersey accent.
0: Like the Jersey Shore accent? <laughs> Please tell me you're joking. <laughs>
1: I find it funny.
0: Well, funny is one thing, but saying I rather enjoy that exit. thats just wrong, Lauren, on on a lot of levels.
1: <laughs> well, so come you, on,
0: <laughs> go ahead.
1: Well, the thing is, right, is that I think that the U.S. did Britain a bit of dirty, really, because if you think about it, um. U.S. TV showed these teenagers having this these lavish, wonderful lifestyle, when in reality, it's not like that at all. And that's what we saw in the 90s was these lovely children having telephones in their bedroom and having unlimited trips to Disneyland.
0: Well, um, nobody in America believed it. We all knew that was bullshit. But
1: you see it, like, um, there was this one where they tried out, was it a Barbie walkie-talkie in Disneyland?
0: No, I never saw that. Speaking of Barbie, did you see the Barbie movie?
1: No, I haven't, no.
0: Me neither, but I love that people are, like, going nuts over this, like, right-wing... Uh, quote unquote news in America is going absolutely apeshit over this. And it's disgusting. Barbie's trying to be woke and Barbie's trying to promote communism to chill. It's like, dude, it's a fucking Barbie movie.
1: I mean, come on, Barbie owned a house.
0: Yeah, it's come a off. fucking Barbie movie. And these a... fucking lo- yokels have to go nuts claiming that it's the destruct- it's the end of America because of the fucking Barbie movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but you have to look at it this way. Barbie owned a car and a house long before it was legal for women to have their own bank accounts.
0: Well, that's true. You also got to look so, at it this way. If you're you're right-wing media and you're obsessing over the fucking Barbie movie, you, you might have a problem.
1: I mean, you used to have things like Barbie crisps.
0: Not in this country. You know why? Because crisps don't exist, Lauren.
1: Chips. No, I used to, have, used to have the, and they were porn cocktail. That's what the Barbie crisps were. Porn cocktail.
0: You know, it's funny, every time you say that, it's people think you're saying porn cocktails. Porn cocktail, as in I know, but with the accent in America, it sounds like you're saying porn. And no, everyone's like, no, why porn. does Lauren keep talking about porn? I've gotten emails <laughs> but why does Lauren keep talking about porn and I don't understand it, and then I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? And then I realized, oh,
1: the they miss- you. hmm I don't believe that, Brian.
0: I could send you the emails. But speaking of emails, oh, my God, did we get some more emails about our, our UFO show. And that was two shows ago we're still getting email. We got stuff about the Star Wars show. Two people loved it, and they're really jealous of uh, Star Wars collections. But I got to tell you, that UFO show with Tim Schwartz and Neil story, oh, my God, people are going nuts. Like, no one can – they're all, like, arguing whether this whistleblower is real or not.
1: I think we do have to – we may have to call some of them back if it is possible because here it's just beginning of the summer holidays. And I know there you're coming – you're in the middle coming to the, towards the end of your summer holidays there. But – Um, In some of the British newspapers today, they had said there was evidence that there had been a um, crash landing on Mars. Like it was a picture of Mars and then it looked like something had hit the surface of Mars.
0: Hmm. So something crashed. Are you are you reading the Weekly World News, Lauren?
1: No, no. (laughs) Um, This is um, um, I'll bring up. Yeah, is because I I think. Do you know? Do you remember? You can still get it now, but kinetic sand. Yeah. And I just thought it's was maybe something like that. There, like, there was something metallic in the sand and the storm. You know, because there's, is that no Mars isn't the one where the storm is, but something had shifted the sand it was a bit. You know, like kinetic sand, from uh, the Mail Online. I'm so sorry. Um. That I'm re, because I know people will not will be <laughs> um, a bit. Um, but the uh, the newspaper I saw um in the shop, it it wasn't that one. A lot of them had this on their front page. So this is so this is from yesterday. Um, and is it the Mars rover? Isn't it? I think. Yeah. So what they um said it has been described as one of the most bizarre objects ever discovered on the Martian surface Um, and they ponder that extraterrestrials may be to blame for a bone-like rock with peculiar pointy protrusions. Um, Well far-fashed as that may seem scientists say they cannot rule out on the possibility that an alien spacecraft crash-landed on the red planet. Research of a new study added that such scenarios cannot be discounted with absolute certainty, particularly as fragments including what appears to be wheels, an axle, and a cratered debris field have been photographed in a location. However, they think the formations are most likely to be related to seismic activity on Mars. The
0: pictures,
1: the pictures are pretty,
0: though. They keep... Ooh, oh, I see we we can't rule out that it was a spaceship we're not ruling it in though
1: so what they're showing is kind of like um it is, it's like a rock with like little spines on it but right. do you know it do you know what but the thing is is if you look at it you would say that it looks a bit like a shipwreck and i think that's what has triggered this out but then again i mean if they didn't if they completely said no this isn't it so i think they're just saying oh yeah it might be a possibility to keep people quiet
0: so i gotta ask you a question lauren with all this stuff going on and whistleblowers and and uh, crash landings on mars do you wish you like paid more attention to science class when you were in school
1: um, I did pay attention in science class. I just wasn't very good at it.
0: What about math? Did you like math?
1: Um, math used to give me um anxiety because uh, again, I wasn't very good at it.
0: You know, I could tolerate algebra. I I, I could even kind of tolerate calculus, but geometry—that's where I draw the line. <laughs>
1: Oh, I walked into that one.
0: Just oh, for that,
1: I am going to read you another gummy bear story.
0: Well, that no, that's perfect because I was going to say tonight's episode is very special because we're welcoming back two of our favorite people in the world, Christy and Amber, from Old Timey Crimey. Now, unfortunately, Lauren was not able to join us for the interview. Yeah. because it was very late at night wales time
1: and also i've got a bit of a thing to make i i do get very easily tired these days um i'm i'm uh waiting to see a neurologist for various health concerns but i'll be fine it's just the stress of waiting
0: i think your, you every- got funky brain issues because you do a show with me
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, that's the- <laughs> it's, <laughs> rotted it's rotted your rotted brain stay away from
0: yeah I, I've rotted your brain. But um, the amazing thing is Amber and Christy came on. And, and can you believe this, Lauren? I only made one Welsh sheep shagging joke without you being here.
1: Well, as I always say, we shag them and you eat them.
0: I know. I, it was funny because when I made the sheep joke, they were both like, ooh. And I'm like, what? Well, I have said it if Lauren was here. I probably would have been worse if Lauren were here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were have been.
0: But tonight's show, we're going to talk about a a true crime because that's old timey crimey, a a serial killer that kind of lost to the annals of history that most people I don't think have ever even heard of. And she was the Pittsburgh Poisoner. And that made me think, speaking of poisoning, food poisoning, we haven't had a gummy reading in a while. So let me play your little theme song.
1: Yummy, yummy gummies
0: make my tummy feel crummy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what you got for us today, Lauren?
1: Well, this was sent in via uh, a listener, so thank you. I've not been given the listener's name. I was just forwarded on the email by Brian. So he may know the listener's name, but whoever you are, thank you very much. And um, we hope that You recognize your story and enjoy it being read out. Okay, so the title of this is simply Gummy Bear Review. What can I say about these devilish, delightful little bears that hasn't already been said? These aren't meant to be eaten, they're meant to be experienced. I received these only a few days after ordering and after reading all of the review of these reviews, I had to mentally and physically prepare myself for what may happen. My stomach processes things differently. So I had no idea if it was going to be preparing a consequence free gummy bear gorge fest or if I was going to be commuting the committing the equivalent of a sugar free seppuku. I think I said that right.
0: I think I hope so. <laughs>
1: I hope because so I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I was just going to see where the night took me. I ate a handful of five at a time, spread out over, th- over a three-hour period.
0: Ooh, that's being great.
1: sugar-free, that's these were bloody delicious. Still, I was anticipating the worst. Oh, and <laughs> how the worst met all my expectations. For a bit, I figured these bears pulled a Gilligan and were just stranded somewhere inside my gu- gullet. But oh no, after the three-hour hour tour ended, my stomach let loose a roll that would have intimidated a Tyrannosaurus. Not quite sure about that. They, they were quite creepy. I just love
0: that they made a three-hour tour reference, like it's Gilligan's Island of Poop.
1: The worst part was I actually fell asleep after about the 50th gummy bear so imagine my pleasant surprise when a sharp pain in my stomach brought me from my pleasant land of slumber to the nightmarish nightmarish hell I was about to experience. I felt like I was about to give birth and give birth. I did. The first blast was the loudest. My upstairs neighbours complained about my violation of quiet hours. They thought I was blaring Louis Armstrong and, and scooting furniture. Jazz hands, everybody. My cat ran and hid. I haven't seen her for days. I heard a rap upon my front door in response to the knock up upon the the knock upon the rear. Ancient Spartan warriors had heard the trumpet blast and had shown uh, shown for the battle. I noticed my Christian neighbors out on the lawn looking up at the sky, crossing themselves because they thought that the trump of the Lord had sa- the trumpet of the Lord had sounded for the rapture. I owe the United States Geological Survey an explanation as to the anomaly their instruments probably picked up from central Indiana. But alas, the first arse blast was not the last. Like Pringles, you know we couldn't just have one. And once you pop, the fun don't stop. The first horn was followed by a resounding sphincteric symphony that would quite literally fill the air. John Williams would have been proud. The dog of war continued to bark, but soon the chain would break and it was to be unleashed. I rose to head to the porcelain throne to give what felt was to be a most generous offering to the god of thunder buckets, And my stoic, John Coffey-esque resolve turned into a Tasmanian devilish whirlwind as my walk of shame turned into a sprint of panic. Some men calmly walk the brown mile. I raced down it, looking for that sure relief. And release that an, a ride on an old Sparky would hopefully would hopefully give. What insured, insured insu- Ensued? 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 I think. <laughs> what, yes. What ensued will forever be etched into the annals. Yes, annals, you dirty bird of history. A great many atrocities have occurred in the 20th century, but most pale into comparison to that which the Gummy Bears had wrought. The first wave to an outsider would have reminded one of a Judas Priest concert as a bell to that Rob Halford screech, accompanied by the sound of a million guitars. What can only be compared to the violent sound of never ending barrage of artillery and gunfire, our brave boys storming the beaches of Normandy heard as they answered the call of duty came from the bathroom. The collective noises and experiences of all the battles and wars that have ever been fought by man, the bloodshed, the violence, the gore, the deafening thunder of gunfire was reenacted in a three minute span. I still have not the heart nor the strength to go back in there after the last time. So much was sacrificed, so much was lost. <laughs> I prayed to every god I could think of as I rode the lightning. I looked everywhere for salvation. I looked outward and thought to myself what horrible things I was doing to my fellow man. I then looked within and what the gummies left for me to find within was horrifying. I still cannot speak of it to this day. The great god of the porcelain pot was pleased as I humbly beseeched him and brought many offerings that night. I begged his mercy, but only after about six hours did I gain favour enough to leave the throne room and return peacefully to my slumber. After eating these gummy bears, I feel like a new man. Literally, I expelled what felt like almost all of my internal organs that night. And as I sit here eating the last half of the bag and reflect upon my experience, a smile. Because I know very soon, I know I will hear the gurgle and, oh, well, going to have to cut this review short. Seriously, though, these are delicious. But if you eat more than a few of these, prepare
0: yourself. I... Admire the fact that they were eating the rest of them right then. Uh. <laughs> I also got to point out, do you realize that they said they ate 50 of them? I know. I think if you eat 50 of anything that's going to happen, 50, Lauren, I mean, mm. granted, they're sugar free.
1: I mean, but how many sweets are in a bag?
0: I don't know, but do you think you'd eat 50 of them?
1: Well, they're only little gummy bears, really. So, Oh,
0: shit, I mean... Lord! You once claimed it took you like six, six servings to eat a pint of ice cream.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know how big the bag was. Like, if it's a normal bag of Haribo, how many gummy bears are in a normal bag of Haribo?
0: Probably about 20. 30? I don't know. All I know is that I think we're going to have to order you some of these, and you're going to have to try them.
1: No. <laughs> No, well, because I... Corey and Theo will find them, and then you'll have to explain.
0: Oh, my God. Well, you know, Theo could have them because they're sugar-free. So I'm not saying you should poison your nephew, but...
1: But the thing is, is he would eat 50 of them.
0: You think he'd eat like, 50 honestly,
1: of them? Honestly, Brian, I have come... I have. Being at home, and then I found them sitting there eating something between them, and they will devour it.
0: I, I don't think I could eat 50 of them. But you no. know, did you know, I can swallow two pieces of string, and when I poop them out the other end, they'll be tied together. I shit you not. <laughs>
1: Well, I hope your mother enjoys the review as well, because I know she's a fan of them.
0: (coughs) She is a fan of them. She does tell me some of my jokes are terrible, though.
1: That's that's because you're a fucking liar.
0: (laughs) I don't think that's the reason. I am a little sad, though. Because, you know, someone glued my deck of cards together and I don't know how to deal with it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh this is why billy eats your things because your jokes are bad
0: oh my god that wasn't a bad joke that was a good joke all right you know what lauren maybe we should just go on to our uh, <clears throat>
2: Today
0: history. but before we do i want to say one thing someone out there whoever it is that stole my anti-depression medication i hope you're happy you're not even going to react to that one are you
1: no i think you've had too much gummy bears um
0: well let me go on to my day in history then because actually my day in history it's a pretty cool day it is today in history july 25th 1814 was the battle of niagara falls on lundy's lane in canada it's actually the bloodiest battle of the entire war of 1812 yes i know folks i said it was 1814 the war of 1812 lasted longer than just 1812 but uh, have you ever heard of the battle of niagara falls lauren
1: didn't we do a show on it
0: well, we did a partial show. Well, we mentioned it on the show. We did about the War of 1812. And, uh, you know, that's it was the weirdest battle because it was the bloodiest battle of the entire war, and it was a stalemate. Um, the Canadian slash British forces and the Americans kind of fought to a stalemate. Um, battle of Niagara Falls, Lundy's Lane. You know what Lundy's Lane is now, Warren? I don't know. It's where all the strip clubs are.
1: Well, what better way to commemorate a historic battle than to have ladies take their clothes off
0: and a, another cool thing about uh, just a weird little tidbit has really nothing to do for the general audience they that won't matter to them but the I, I have a good friend of mine whose Lundy's Lane is named after his family his name is still Lundy and it was uh, settled by Quakers when that was settled, and the family that settled that area's name was Lundy, and it's you know now Lundy's Lane, the Quaker settled land is home of the stripper clubs. And Lauren, we're talking all nude.
1: Have you investigated them all for the public so people don't have to go in and look?
0: I I I, I have been there, um, to a couple of them. I think I've only been to two of the strip clubs on Lundy's lane. There's like seven or eight of them. Um, but I, I've been to bachelor parties at two of them. And they're, guess what, Lauren?
1: Parties, I see.
0: They're all nude. <laughs> not the customers. <laughs> I mean, like not, I was allowed to wear <laughs> pants.
1: No, uh, so it wasn't just a Tuesday and you were feeling a bit, uh, lonely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope. no. Nope. Um, it was, a, uh, I then mean, one of the places wasn't so bad. The other place was kind of scummy, but, uh, they were all nude.
1: Very nice.
0: Yeah. Do you, you, when you come to this area, you want me to show you those, uh, you know, the historic landmarks of
1: 1812? No, thank you. You sure? I'm good. Yeah, positive.
0: Um, you know, they, they have lap dances there, Lauren, only 20 bucks. Well, it was 20 bucks then it was a long time ago though. I don't know how much lap dances are now. I'll buy you a lap dance. when you come into town about, uh, Lauren? <laughs> Just yes. make sure the, make sure the strippers haven't had any, uh, sugar-free gummy bears before you get a lap dance. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Go on to your data stream.
1: So, my today in history is kind of tame. And uh, to my today in history is no on the 25th of July uh, 306, 306, Constantine I is proclaimed Roman Emperor by his troops. And I like Constantine. He's my favorite Holy Roman Emperor.
0: I like Constantine too. Do you know why?
1: He's awesome.
0: Because he was all nude. <laughs>
1: Oh, don't say that about the Holy Roman Emperor. You have people after you.
0: well, he's not the Holy Roman Emperor now,
1: yeah, but you know,
0: gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Constantine.
1: Don't say that. no, he is my favorite Holy Roman Emperor. Don't besmirch, <laughs> don't him.
0: Oh, I know. Constantine was not all nude, but uh, no, actually, Constantine was a a, a pretty, um, pretty amazing emperor.
1: He was. He fought with the Pope a lot.
0: I was going to say he was he was a rebellious Roman, Holy Roman Emperor.
1: Well, it was it's kind of strange because um, it the way that Constantine wanted it to work was like he would be the king. And then the pope would be like, do you know, like the Aztecs and the like the priests would be slightly would be next to the king, but not But the king would have more power on over them. Yeah. So that's what he wanted. He wanted he wanted to basically amalgamate church and state and he would control the religious aspect of it. And the pope would sort of be his 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 general manager of religion.
0: So you're 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 relegating Constantine to like a baseball general manager.
1: No, I'm kind of talking about he would he would like he would rule the state and everything. And then he um and he would and um, he would have some power over the pope because the way that it works, and I think it still works like that today, is that Vatican City has its own banking system and has its own. Um, taxation, and it all goes to the papacy?
0: Yes, it does.
1: So what he wanted to do was to basically say that he would set the taxes of all of... Um, he would set the taxes and all the money would come to him and then he would give money to... He would afford the Vatican a, ha- a household expenses and he would control that. So he wanted to basically... Um, Reduce the amount of power that the Pope had is it had in his own right. And it went on. It went on for hundreds of years. I mean, even we're talking in the 16th century, popes would be held at ransom and they'd be boxed in by the Holy Roman Emperor's forces. I mean, the Holy Roman Empire was more powerful than the Pope.
0: Yeah. And, so technically the, the Holy Roman Empire was the emperor. The Holy Roman Emperor was the middleman between, uh, God and the Pope Um, Officially In
1: their no but practically yes uh, because if the Pope did something that the Holy Roman Emperor didn't agree with and the Holy Roman Emperor could uh, get enough support from the Catholic nations he could make life very difficult for the Pope Yes, but the Pope was still a, the Pope was still an ungoverned head of the um, Catholic Church so, um so like for example um in this country um we, um you have the king that is the head of the church of england and then technically he's the archbishop of canterbury's boss over the years that's kind of there's kind of a separation a little bit where the archbishop of canterbury can kind of make his own decisions but it will always sort of be back and forward between the palace and you know they're they're kind of on the same page but without within that page um there's a certain of a certain amount of autonomy but do you want to know a really 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 fun fact sure before before king charles was proclaimed king in between the queen's death and his proclamation the archbishop of canterbury was technically the head of state
0: what you want to hear an even cooler fact what and then the Lord said unto John, Come forth and receive eternal life. Sadly, John came in fifth and got a toaster.
1: Oh, I know God would never do that. <laughs> he died for everybody.
0: Oh, I love that joke, Lord. But I guess on on that note, now that I'm going to get hate mail, because you, know, you can't tell religious jokes. Um, no, Lauren, I, you, should actually tell those jokes, you shouldn't tell those jokes,
1: Lauren. But
0: you shouldn't tell those jokes, Lauren.
1: Brian, I was actually telling somebody the other day um, that we've had <laughs> hate mail from the from religious portions of america even though that i have gone on record and said quite adamantly that i am a christian and chastised you when you have made um biblical jokes that have gone a bit too far or um i feel are uncomfortable and i have corrected your bible knowledge here and there though you you have amazing um bible knowledge for somebody that isn't a believer And um,
0: non-believers tend to have better Bible knowledge because we actually read it, whereas a lot of religious people don't. They just allow it to be taught to them.
1: Um. Uh, You don't. The way that liturgical years work, you don't get to hear all of the Bible. But there is an initiative in this country called Bible in one year where it separates the bible into readings and every day you have three readings so one portion will either be um a psalm or um a proverb then you'll have a new testament reading and then you have an an old testament reading and they'll kind of connect in a real way in a in a in a way so you can see what is trying to be communicated
0: well so then, what's trying to be communicated is that John came in fifth and got a toaster. Fourth would have given him eternal life. What do you think he'd have got for first, second, or third place?
1: Angel wings.
0: All right. Yeah, that's that's for third place. What about second place? Gummy bears?
1: No, angel wings.
0: For first, second, and third, you get angel wings? Yeah. Well, then what's I the point of they... coming in first?
1: Well, you don't come in first. Nobody, like, comes in first, second, or third. You just, everybody is equal in heaven.
0: Ah, well, at least John got a toaster. Well, on that note, I'm going to fire up the magic interview box.
1: Yeah, because we're going to get hate mail, that
2: <laughs> It's the magic
0: interview box. And, Lauren, <clears throat> you didn't get to hear this interview, so you're going to hear this live with everybody else. You're going to oh, yeah. love it. Everybody, Amber and Christy, are the host of Old Timey Crimey, which is one of the greatest podcasts in the world. You should all subscribe to it. And Lauren, like everybody else, you're going to kick back. You're going to dig this story. So whenever you're ready, flip the switch. Okay, folks. Lauren could not be here today because Lauren couldn't handle an episode like this. Because we're going to get a little weird wild and wacky with two of my favorite people in the world, the co-hosts of Old Timey Crimey, our sister podcast, and in my opinion, one of the best podcasts on the planet. Amber and Christy are back, and apparently, this might get a little pervy because Christy says we're going to get our grinder on. And uh, I, I tried to tell her that I don't use that app, but apparently we're getting our grinder on, so... Buckle up, folks. Uh, Say hi to the gals, and welcome back to Transatlantic History Ramblings. How have you been?
3: We have been good. This is Christy here, and uh, yeah, we are here to talk about everybody's uh, favorite murderous app. No, they're going to sue me. Um, (laughs) No, they're
0: going to sue me, because it's my show you're doing this on. Thank you.
3: Oh, say all the bad things, then. Okay, okay. all right. That's, that's right. I'll say all the bad things, then.
2: So this is Grinder with <laughs> an E. <laughs> the murdery
0: one. But no, folks, Grinder it is because, as you know, my cat is snoring. Did you hear that? That was loud. Old-timey crimey talks about old-timey crimey. And this Grinder is not everyone's favorite hookup app. This is an old-timey, crimey case from their home state, the beloved Pennsylvania, U.S. of A. And who the fuck is Martha Grinder?
3: Oh, Martha Grinder is a hell of a woman. Uh, We actually heard about this case from a listener of our podcast because uh, that listener can claim Martha as their ancestor. Which, in its own way, is just pretty damn neat in, in a grim way. In a grim way. I think it's awesome. Well,
0: okay, you, you, you both, i got to ask, because we all know, like, you know, the, the, this mudget guy who goes around claiming to be the descendant of H.H. H. Holmes, and he writes these books. It's about how A.J. Holmes talks to him through psychic visions and shit. And he's like bragging that his ancestors America's first serial killer. Then you got the guy in California bragging that he thinks his father committed the Black Dahlia murder. You got all these people bragging about their family members being these crazy killers. Why would you want that in your family tree? And if I mean, if I found out that there was a serial killer in my family, tree, I don't think I'd be telling people about it. I wouldn't be bragging. Would you?
2: I would. Yeah.
3: I, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's not, it's not even necessarily a brag. I think it's definitely, it's an interesting thing. Is it interesting in a sort of dark way? Yeah, certainly. It's, It's not like, oh, you know, my ancestor was Florence Nightingale. It's, it's certainly nothing that you're, you're, you're bragging about. It's just more like you're at a cocktail party and the conversation's kind of edgy. It's something you bring up.
2: Well, you know what? We actually did a tiny about one of my ancestors who was hung as a witch.
3: Yeah. One of our bonus episodes over on our Patreon, Amber told us the story and it was, it was really fascinating to, to hear. I
2: know it's really shocking to anyone that's ever heard me speak, but yes, somebody in my family was a witch. <laughs> I, I was, I was
3: really thrown. I could not believe that pure as the driven slush Amber <laughs> would have such an ancestor with a stain on their soul.
0: I, I would. I would not believe such a thing. My second cousin is Tony Bennett. Is that titillating enough?
3: For certain definitions of titillating, specifically um, little old lady definitions. Yeah,
2: I I was actually thinking, like, if if you're trying to pick up, like, a seven-year-old lady, yeah, I bet that is quite titillating.
0: (laughs) I I don't know if he killed anybody, but I don't think he did.
3: Allegedly, he hasn't, but that's as far as we know.
0: I know he got cool again a few years ago when he did something with Lady Gaga. It's just hilarious that to be cool when you're a legend, it has to be with Lady Gaga. But
3: that is the rule, though.
0: It is. That's why I'm not cool. Same.
3: Yeah.
0: Well,
2: somebody needs to invite Lady Gaga on the show. Yeah.
0: So we'll we'll get on that. (laughs) I'm going to work on
3: right right after we're done here. I'll schedule her on.
0: Yeah, I'll just we'll just pop her up.
3: Yeah.
0: So you um you have a history of witchcraft in the family, huh?
2: Apparently. Uh really just being opinionated women will do it, especially when you get back into the 1700s and eighteen
0: hundreds. So they were not executed for bitchcraft. It was witchcraft.
2: Yeah, no, it was a female that owned property. So that's that was all it took to be a witch back then. I believe it. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> I don't believe that women own property are I'm gonna get hate mail for that one, and I didn't even say anything i'm not saying that women own property are witches I'll, It's possible, but I'm saying I believe they were executed for owning property We don't have a good history in this country of treating people right
2: no, not at all and it that goes like across the board all all people were
3: just uh not not uh not great. Not great. What are you guys talking about?
0: We're sweethearts. Yeah, tell that to the bison.
2: <laughs> I would, but I can't find any.
0: <laughs> We're not a good people. What makes us any better than Martha Grinder?
3: <laughs> um Everything? well we can make meals for people and they the other people, the people who eat those meals, don't die, usually. At least I can I can say I can speak for myself, I cannot speak for you, Brian. Amber, I've eaten your food and I still stand here today. Yes.
0: So uh but
3: Brian, do most of the people who you serve food to, do they survive?
0: I am an excellent cook.
3: Good, good. Okay. And
0: if Great. any of the people that have eaten my food were still living, you could ask them.
3: <laughs> that is unfortunate, sir.
0: But I make food for everybody else, and as far as I know, they're all almost all of them are still alive. I mean some have died of natural causes. You can't put that on me, and I won't let you put that one on me. They were old. I will,
3: however, put sarcastic quotation marks around natural causes.
0: Yeah, it's okay because it's an audio-only podcast. No one can see those sarcastic quotation marks. You have to imagine them.
3: Nobody could see (laughs) them until I said them.
0: That's true. (laughs) Damn it, they're better at this than I am.
3: Two against
0: one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was two on one since we were talking about grinder.
2: <laughs> wrong grinder again. Yeah.
0: yeah. Two, oh. Wrong
2: Grindr. Oh, <sighs> damn it. And I don't know if that's grinder. That might be like more of the Craigslist misconnections kind of thing.
0: Is Craigslist still around? Listen, we so just
3: talked about this, yeah. We
2: did. We just talked about this, and so of course I look it up because I need to know, right? Of and course. So it, it is still there, but it's like covert now, and it's a lot of uh, people talking about can they store their wood in your shed? They like they love <laughs> to do all sorts of like housework for you, but only when their like spouse is away and like lots of lots of wood shed references that i saw yeah or or pipes and plumbing that was another popular one
3: just a lot of people in need of a handyman or storage those are those are just desperate desperate needs uh in this region apparently
2: yeah
0: well i mean if the man is handy enough he doesn't need to use craigslist
2: <laughs> well he only wants to use it for 6 hours a day it's oh, short well, t- short term storage.
0: Well, I'll tell you right now, I um, I I I I don't have any wood to store. I'm old, but I remember Craigslist from like twenty years ago, because like you know I'm a musician, and people used to like buy and sell like musical equipment on there. You could buy used amps or guitars or you know keyboards, pianos, and that's what Craigslist was for. And then all of a sudden, it turned into some like weird prostitution site. Out yeah, of nowhere.
2: It a little bit of both, but most of that moved over to Facebook.
0: Yeah, it was weird. I remember when it changed. I'm like, I don't think I want to use this thing anymore. And then people started getting murdered.
2: Yep. Yep, that happens.
0: That yeah. Works. And that still probably happens, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, just recently, I think there was some, one about a fridge. Somebody went to pick up a fridge. That or, was local, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that, so. was,
3: that was right here in Johnstown. There was a, the, the fridge murder. The fridge Did someone want to...
0: Have uh, a, a fridge to store their meat in?
3: No,
2: little. that one was actually legit. Somebody just wanted to buy a fridge. It's,
0: it's the legit. Fridge.
2: Yeah. And then they turned into the meat.
0: Sort of like Microwave Massacre. That's a great movie. With Jackie Vernon. Look it up sometimes. Great.
2: I don't think I know that one, but I think I will soon.
0: <laughs> Jackie Vernon, the old nightclub comic who's probably most famous for being the voice of Frosty the Snowman in the original uh animated thing. Happy birthday, Frosty. Huh. I had no idea. In the, in the comedy horror film Microwave Massacre, where he actually gets to utter the line, and close your eyes and picture it being Frosty the Snowman. I'm so hungry I could eat a whore. <laughs> oh.
3: oh, yeah, Amber's watching this tonight. <laughs>
0: yep. Microwave Massacre, wonderful film. Uh but back to grinder Not back the back app, to Grinder. But the Grinder. Not Rob Lowe from that very short lived television series of his, which was fucking hilarious, and they canceled it after like six episodes, which really pissed me off. But did you did you see that one the that, that he did called The Grinder? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hilarious. Can't find it anywhere. Ran for six episodes and got cancelled. You know, you can always talk about Rob Lowe.
3: Oh yeah.
0: Cause everybody <laughs> loves Rob Lowe, right?
3: Fantastic, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But my heterosexual brother who does not use Grinder, always tells people his biggest crush in the world is Rob Lowe.
2: I can't blame him. Yeah, no, yeah. that one's understandable.
3: That's a good, that's a good
2: he's big
0: crush. Totally yeah. he's great. Yeah. It's like, you know. But you know, my, my big crush is Rob Lowe. So anyway. Martha Grinder Pennsylvanian, serial poisoner, and yet loved by her community.
3: She really was. I mean, she was considered a nurturing mother type. She only had one child, a daughter who was about five or six uh, when, when Martha and her husband, George moved to Pittsburgh. But Like, when people were ill, Martha would nurse them. She was really considered, you know, like, very much a mother figure in the community. She's jumping right
2: in, offering to make you some chicken noodle
3: soup. Yes, that's very much she'll make you some tea, she'll bring you a glass of milk, she'll be right by your side as you're recovering from this illness that coincidentally started right after you ate her peaches and cream.
0: Now we let's go That's back to the beginning. Like
3: a euphemism.
0: Sorry,
3: <laughs> it's true. That was the last meal she fed
2: someone. <laughs> I know, I know, but that does sound just dirty.
0: Yeah, well, we've already been down that path today. We're storing meat. We're putting. Uh, you're offering me a shed for my wood, which is just you know I, I don't even understand how you could say these things. If Lauren was here, she'd put you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> you know how them. Brits are Well, she's a Welshie, so if it doesn't involve sheep, she doesn't know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, and, yes, bitch. I would say that if she were on, too, she knows I make Welsh sheep jokes, folks. Don't <laughs> send hate mail. But at the risk of being off-pervy and to back to serious topics, give us the background of when was this – I'm going to call her Martha now so we don't go down the grinder path – but. What was the time period of Martha and, you know, when was she um, perfecting her trade?
3: Well, she was born in 1815. And uh, it seems like she really. She was actually born in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, I should say.
2: Yeah, so we are not
3: taking credit for her. Not full credit, but we can. We do kind of have to take most of the credit because most of it did happen in Pennsylvania.
0: You know, um, you wonder why Louisville brags about being the home of Muhammad Ali and not Martha Grinder.
3: It's really a big question. Can't understand yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it, it, a lot of it started when she and her husband that we know of were on their way to Pittsburgh, actually. They stopped off uh, at their the in-laws' farm, at George Grinder's parents' farm on the way, just outside of Pittsburgh, and uh, there was just mysteriously a whole bunch of money that went missing. Uh It was called petty thievery, but it would be the equivalent of fifty-one thousand dollars today. So uh it ain't petty. Petty little, little, little. That's not petty. No. Yeah. And that's the average
0: really, yearly salary in America. That's not petty.
3: Yeah, it was not super petty, and it was never really solved. But it was strange that anytime something suspicious happened, it just. Uh, so happened that Martha was the only one around and uh, we don't really know what happened in the intervening years but about five years later uh, the couple was living in Pittsburgh and they took on a maid whose name was Jane Buchanan and she was just pretty much fresh off the boat from Ireland, 19 years old and after living and working with them for just a couple of days boom, she got some stomach pains and uh, a couple of days later she was dead
0: well, you know they didn't like the Irish much back then, so you can't kind of, and this is as an Irishman, you know. I, I've read the stories about how my people were treated. There were a lot of Irish being killed. We're sure it was Martha.
3: Well, we do know it was something in their household because I mean she'd only been there for a couple of days.
2: Yeah, and then she got the, the convulsions, the vomiting, the the
3: severe pain in her her abdominal cavity. And uh it was very strange how all of this happened, and then Martha said she was going to take charge of the funeral and everything, and then people arrived to to help out and to to get this young woman buried, and, well, what do you know? Her, her trunk is just completely empty. How strange.
0: That's Now, two things I have to point out right now. First one, completely not related to the topic at all, but I'm incredibly distracted because Yes, folks, this is an audio-only podcast, but we're seeing each other. We're on camera. And Christy has got this whole Footloose thing going. She's got, like, the over-the-shoulder thing, the headband on. Are you, like, paying tribute to the 80s here? Is this, like, a thing in Pennsylvania?
3: This was just the clothes I happened to find after I showered.
0: Actually, it's more Flashdance than Footloose, really, wouldn't you say? Yes,
3: I'm, Amber,
0: I'm,
3: do you I'm, doing, I'm doing a revival of Flashdance in my backyard after this. So
0: That's yeah. awesome. I just
3: wanted to be ready for it. <laughs> the other
0: thing I have to ask is related to the story, and that's because y- you are Pennsylvanians. You know these areas. I have a base knowledge of it because I'm in Buffalo. It's only four and a half hours away from Pittsburgh. You know, I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh going to Pirates games, stuff like that. You said George was a farmer, and the farm was in this Pittsburgh area. hmm were they Amish? Cause isn't a lot of that Amish country out that way with the farms?
2: No, that's more, that's a little more east. Yeah, more Lancaster area.
0: Okay, so yeah, okay. So that's closer to me actually. No, 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 it's a little farther out. Because there, yeah. there is like, right. once you like- get past Erie, PA, you get to some Amish country too.
3: You get a little bit of Amish up there. You're talking closer to my original stomping grounds, and and I lived somewhere where there was more Amish, and then there's more, like, down around, like, where Scott was from.
2: Yeah. Um, they're really – they're
3: speckled in. Yeah, they're speckled throughout, like, kind of like the outside edges of the state, but then really central Pennsylvania is, like, much more Amish country.
0: Okay, so the reason I asked that is because Amish communities tend to be more closed – People won't know about what's going on so much. Martha be able to get away with that more, but this was not the case with her.
3: No, it really wasn't. Um, She lived in a, a, a community with her husband. He wasn't necessarily like his parents were farmers, but they lived more in the city. Martha and George did. Um, so, like, he he seemed to intend to go his own way and not necessarily follow in the family footsteps until such a time came as, you know, he needed to take over the farm or whatever happened there.
2: Yeah, but, and, and if you think, too, so this was, Jane's death was natural causes because she'd just come over on the boat not too long ago. This is the 1860s. Mm-hmm. It was pretty common that as soon as you hit the other country, you would get sick because there's all these germs you've never been exposed to. Oh, yeah. And
3: you- Food, new, you know, you you know how it is when you travel someplace new and all of a sudden you're exposed to new foods and stuff that your stomach isn't accustomed to. So that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, which is the public service announcement I always give that.
2: Transatlantic History Rambling is public service announcement.
0: Ladies and gentlemen of our American listeners, if you go to London, do not under any circumstances eat a hot dog. Public service announcement. London hot dog was the worst thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. Anyway, back to the story.
2: (laughs) Now I know. It was not on my list anyway, but I'm definitely (laughs) going to make sure
3: it doesn't come up. That will be uh, off of my bucket list that it was never on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, words to live by.
3: So, So, yeah, Martha... Just seem, it seemed like there was something weird with the, the Jane Buchanan thing, but nobody was ever really able to pinpoint it and not much of any sort of investigation was done. You know, it's a, it's an immigrant. She's of the serving class. Who cares, right? Plus
0: a lot of people came over sick from Ireland. A lot of people sick off the boat. So I could see it not drawing too much attention.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, that was in February 1864. And then some more weird stuff happened throughout that year. Uh, Martha's husband, George, lost both of his brothers. Now, the Civil War was going on during that time. We were kind of winding down. Uh, His brother, Samuel, uh, 28, had come home on furlough due to some injuries and ended up somehow getting a violent form of diphtheria.
0: Mm.
3: He didn't. Not really believe it was that, though. And he had some fairly strong opinions. He said outright, Martha Grinder has poisoned me and has poisoned the whole Grinder family.
0: He came right out and said it.
3: He came right out and said it outright, and uh, then he died in December of 1864.
0: Because he was poisoned.
3: Because he was poisoned by Martha Grinder, and he was also not wrong about her poisoning the whole Grinder family. Maybe. Uh the other brother Jeremiah who is 24 he was at uh camp near Alexandria Virginia um he was also a soldier and he died of an illness that came on suddenly and lasted for six days and then he passed all we know about any connection Martha might have to that is that she had sent provisions to someone in the army during that same time period
0: oh, that's all God, we know sending provisions <laughs>
3: Yeah, here's a care package, sweetie.
2: Yeah, Martha enjoy I these care.
0: cookies. Oh my God! Would you say? Let's say Jeremiah was was a bullfrog. Was a, bullfrog, was a good friend of mine, personally. <laughs> um, let's say he is a victim of Martha. Mm-hmm. So now her death count is at three.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. All in the same year. Yep. Yeah. And no one's asking questions yet. E- even though the one brother said, "Hey, Martha did this no one's who did he tell?
3: It's really kind of unclear i I feel like he told their father it seems like he was with their their father was with them a lot. um so I feel like he told uh, the elder grinder mr grinder mr grinder Mr. Grinder
0: that's what they call me in the clubs. I mean um <laughs> where were we so not George, but their father.
3: Yes, I feel like he told him either Mr. Grinder didn't really believe him or. I, I feel like he did though, but felt kind of powerless to stop anything.
0: Now, what about George? Was he getting sick? Was he having problems?
3: George was not described in the most favorable ways as regards his intelligence, he was pretty dull. Yes, um, uh, easygoing, slow, and simple-minded were some of the words given to him back then. Uh, also, rather deficient in force of character and intelligence.
0: I guess we could, well, we can't say a lot of things in 2023, but is this someone that, let's just say, Are they describing as maybe someone with mental deficiency or just stupidity?
3: It could be that, but I also think an an important word I think that's used in some of the descriptions is submissive. He is led around by the nose. He does anything she tells him to, whether that could be through some sort of um, intellectual disability or just entirely through the fact that he is hopelessly in love with her and it is just completely erased any sort of willpower from his brain, I do not know. So, in fairness,
2: I would like to throw out that maybe he was not dumb at all. Maybe he was incredibly smart, and by playing dumb, he was not going to get the same treatment as his brothers.
0: He, you know, that's a good point. Was he simple-minded, dumb, or playing dumb? Because you he, he said they lived in the city. He didn't take over the family farm, so he had to be capable of providing for a family and living in the city.
3: Well, he was a coal miner.
0: Yeah, that's...
2: think of it this way, with the brothers out of the way, now the size of their inheritance keeps getting larger.
0: That's a good point. Oh. And so he's not even complaining about, like, tummy aches or anything. He's not, like, dropping liquid deuces in the coal mines or anything.
3: He does not (laughs) seem to have any complaints about his health.
0: What about uh, what about Papa Grinder?
3: He, I haven't heard anything about nothing. He he never really seems to uh, say anything one way or the other.
0: So how does Martha react to the deaths of these people? Is she just like I'm so heartbroken, or oh well?
3: She just, I mean, she goes to their funerals. Um, she poisons people before their funerals. <laughs> She cooks for the funerals. <laughs> she cooks for family members before their funerals. It's it's kind of bonkers. She just, it's basically business as usual for Martha.
0: And she's cooking, like, the meals that, after you go to a funeral, when you go to, like, you know, a meal, a gathering, a remembrance. You're telling me she would go to these gatherings after the funerals with food that she had made, and she was the poisoner.
3: It's never, um, I've never seen it characterized as her taking food to the gatherings. It's generally like, um, one of, uh, one of the brothers, like, so, so one of the grinder sisters, um, is going with her to the funeral, is accompanying her, and she's requested, like, hey, sister-in-law, will you come with me to the funeral? And then she feeds her before the funeral, and the sister-in-law gets ill at the funeral. Oh
0: my God. Dude, actually gets ill at the funeral.
3: Yes. Or is it so ill that she's unable to even go to the
0: funeral? Oh, my goodness. Okay. And no one's catching on yet.
3: Very unique. There's, okay, there's a certain amount of catching on that happens fairly soon. And, but no, it's just, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of shocking because really it's not until her neighbors start feeling ill that the doctor is kind of like, you know, it's something in this house. I'm just telling you, it's something in this house that is making you sick. But up until this point, like, the doctor will even say later, oh yeah, I had tons of her neighbors come to me after they'd eaten her food and they said they were feeling ill and I healed them as best as I could. And I'm like, okay, do you hear what you just said? <laughs> like-
0: yeah, and as people might listen to this, think, how ridiculous, how could the doctor not pick up? You kind of remember, this is 1860. Mm-hmm. they're not breaking down chemically what's in everything yet. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the technology. They could be thinking it's just, hey, uh, you know, she got a hold of a bad bag of flour and people are getting sick.
3: And there's also, like, you if you count the entirety of the summer, uh, basically most times you got ill during the summer, it was generally considered, if it had anything to do with the stomach, to be the summer complaint. The summer complaint was when you had, you know, fish on a Thursday and then you uh, had the leftover fish in a soup on Saturday and it had not been really in any satisfactory or safe way refrigerated since then. Well, guess what's going to happen to your stomach? Nothing good. Nothing good or in any way pleasant or right or natural. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) I ate a lot of fish, okay? Now you're scaring me.
3: I'm sorry, just don't eat it after it's been sitting around for three days and then made into a stew.
2: Yeah, like don't leave it on your counter for three days. But if you put it in your fridge, there's a difference.
3: Yeah, it's just the lack of refrigeration, um, lack of real, like the knowledge that we have now through, you know, years and years of science and experimentation. And on eating to, all the bad food. And eating all the bad food, um, of how to preserve food. All of this and and knowledge of what causes food poisoning, knowledge of what the various, you know, illnesses are that we can get and how to prevent them, cross-contamination, all of these things we've learned about how to safely cook. They didn't have, you know, they probably didn't even know, you know, to wash your hands after preparing, like, raw meat well they didn't really know to wash your hands after surgery or at- autopsy after an autopsy before you go off to deliver the baby <laughs> you know so yeah,
0: i mean and th- think about this i mean we know now that if you're using a cutting board use a different cutting board if you're using meat and poultry don't put them together on the cutting board or you can cross contaminate and get sick and that's with foods that are protected now Imagine what they're going through then. But this doesn't seem the case with Martha. She's this isn't an accident.
3: No, you're you're very right. Like I I do wonder if the the doctor who attended to all those neighbors of hers and such was just like, yeah, maybe she's just a bad cook. You know, maybe she's yeah. just doing doing some stuff wrong in the kitchen and, and didn't think it was intentional. Just thought it was some you know like ineptness on her part.
0: Yeah, marked down in my book not to eat dinner at her house.
3: Exactly. I'll put her on my list, which is probably pretty long at that point. <laughs> but <laughs> she'll
2: join the hot dogs on that list of things <laughs> I'll never do. That's
3: right. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, it, it just kind of seems to be just a thing where, like, yeah, Martha's really nice, but, yeah, if you eat her food, you, you might get a little ill because she just, you know, everybody has their talents. Cooking isn't one of hers. It, that might be
0: it. So that lends my mind to go to this weird place. If all the neighbors were getting sick going to the doctor, they're not all dying. <clears throat> Do you think Martha was trying to kill people? Or just trying to make people sick, maybe so she could nurse them, so she could be nurturing and you need me. Oh, you're sick. I'll take care of you.
3: I think she enjoyed. Okay, so this is my personal opinion. I think she didn't know dosages. So she knew whatever she did, there was a chance she was going to kill somebody. She didn't care. She was fine with that. She enjoyed the nursing along the way. And the attention she got for being, you know, the 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 little nursing mother and everything, and taking care of all of her little patients, and she was fine with it if they ended up dying too. Um, oh, she liked it. She oh, she liked that too. Yeah, she enjoyed that.
0: She, she enjoyed was, the dying.
3: She wasn't doing anything in any sort of scientific manner. She wasn't like, you know, like I'm going to add a a milligram here or a milligram there or whatever. It was basically just. I, I'm, I think it was all slapdash, and they get as sick as they get. If they happen to die, great. If they don't, I'll get them next time. You know, I think it was very much just a kind of devil may care, literally, kind of operation.
0: So it was. I'm trying to kill.
3: Oh, certainly. Yeah, she did. She did. She was. I think she thrilled when somebody actually died. Um, but if, if if they if they didn't die, I think she was like, well. Better luck next time, Martha. Well, so get them.
2: I, I actually have a quote from Martha
3: about this. Oh, yeah. I love
2: to see death in all its forms and phases and left no opportunity to gratify my taste for such sights. Could I have had my own way? Probably I should have
3: done more.
0: Now, is that from a newspaper quote?
3: That is supposed to be. Now, I cannot find the original source of that. That is supposed to be. As it is quoted, her saying that to the jury at her trial. Wow. Okay. As it is quoted, but That's I cannot find
0: something a court transcript or a newspaper because. If it was a newspaper quote, I would maybe have a little problem with that because you've read a lot of true crime cases from that time period. Mm-hmm. They wrote a lot of things to sell papers that turned out not to be so. That's okay. That sounded pretty specific in the language and not flowing like um, a yellow journalist would use. It almost sounded like a court transcript.
3: Yeah, it was. It's it's hard to track down the original on that. I'm only able to find like secondary sources on it. I can't find it in a primary, but uh, I, I, if I dig harder, I could probably manage to to get a hold of it. But yeah, it definitely has. It honestly, it has it has her voice kind of. <laughs>
0: yeah. So she's a pillar of the community. She's wonderful, lovely Martha.
2: Oh, she and she's in the church too, helping out all the church functions.
0: Well, that's not a shock, is it? <laughs> I gotta bash the church with the witch.
3: <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm with you on that one. I'm with yeah. you.
0: How many people are sick now? Do we know?
3: There's really no way of counting. There are there's no way of ever knowing how many victims that she had. Um there's actually a quote uh perhaps no complete record of the extent and fatality will even be written except upon the book of the recording angel um there are little snippets here and there that come up about people who died of potential poisonings even when Martha was as young as 15
0: um
2: yeah um most of her family had been poisoned
0: really yeah. before she married George
2: Years and years and
3: years before. Yes.
0: So she had a lot of practice.
3: If that was her, I mean, it's it's so far back that there's really like anything to connect it would probably be circumstantial, but it still is very strong because it's yeah. like, well, yeah, it's more so- a lot
0: of times when circumstances are so strong, yeah, I, you know. I know, as a a quote-unquote historian, I'm not supposed to lend credence to it, but I'm lending credence to it because it fits a pattern.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, were they dying, or again, were they just getting sick?
3: Uh, A lot of people were getting sick, and then uh, there was the death that kind of brought the whole house crashing down around her, so to speak, and that was uh, Mary Caroline Carruthers. Now, she and her husband, James... They lived in the same house as the grinders. It was sort of a shared house deal. And I actually said they just had a partition between them, which just does not sound super comfy. I don't like it.
0: Yeah. Well eighteen sixties? I know you gotta do what you gotta
3: do and you know, it's the time period, but uh it just you know, I'm used to what I, I, I live with. There's a curtain between the rooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially with Martha. Oh, no thank you. She, I mean I think I'm well within my rights to not want to live with a, just a partition between me and a serial killer.
0: <laughs> well, no one knew she was a serial killer then. I mean. I know she's a serial killer now. <laughs> well, you don't move in with her now. That's not like saying, you know, that Mr. Dahmer would be a good neighbor in retrospect. No. no but at the time, you don't know.
3: True, true. So it's James and Mary Carruthers. They're in their early 20s. Nice little young couple. At this point, Um, the grinders are in like their, their forties, mid forties. And so Mary and Martha get to be friends, uh, on the most friendly terms, it said, and they would dine together frequently. One of those times in uh, June of 1865, Mary got violently ill. Shocking, I know. I know, right? And then even more shocking as Martha nursed her, quote unquote, back to health, Mary only got more and more ill. So, the doctor takes a look at James and Mary, because James had been ill on and off, strangely, only after he ate Martha's food, and sends them off to the country. That's the doctor who says, it's something in this house. I don't know what, but it's something in this house. Cough, cough. It's your neighbor. She's poisoning you.
0: i got to interrupt for a second, and There are, there are listeners who are going to think I'm asking this just to get a laugh out of you, but I'm not. I'm, I'm serious. Do the reports describe the illnesses? I mean, are they, is it like coming out both ends like a firecracker or is it, you know, are they vomiting? Are, are they, like I said earlier, dropping liquid deuces in the, in the coal mines? Is it because we don't know what the symptoms of the poison would be? Because I'm sure you've had all had food poisoning in the past. I've had food poisoning in the past. It's so different I, they, than any they, other kind they, of illness.
2: They leave out a lot of the diarrhea I mentioned because that was just not it's not proper,
0: especially for food on back then.
2: Yeah. So we don't talk about poo. But there was abdominal discomfort, severe abdominal discomfort, which is probably, yes, they, like, I'm guessing both ends. They do mention vomiting, um, lots of pain,
3: convulsions. I've got a description here. Vomiting, purging, spasmodic affection of the throat, burning at the stomach, nausea at the mouth, pain in the head. So I'm thinking vomiting and purging must be two different things.
0: Yeah, isn't it funny that we can't mention, um, diarrhea in a medical sense back then, but now we can watch TV commercials of bears wiping their ass, bragging right. about it?
3: That is funny, yeah.
0: <laughs> or the the new cereal on the market, and, uh, for, for regular listeners of the show, they know that. I have been on this very strict diet for, for several months now because, I'm you know, I'm getting older and i got to keep all my health problems under control. So I, I, I don't eat anything with carbs or sugars or anything anymore because being a diabetic and old, you got to watch out. So I was looking for all different alternative foods to buy. There is actually a cereal on the market, and uh, just so I can get a genuine response from you, I'm going to send you um, the picture of this cereal because it's 100% real. And yet, this we can market, but we can't talk about diarrhea in the story.
3: I don't know why it's ringing. Are you calling us? <laughs>
0: hey, ladies.
3: Oh, no, find my device is ringing for some reason. I didn't activate that. I'm sorry for the loud noise on the poop like a champion, ultra fiber cereal. Ooh! <laughs> Yes. I like
2: that. <laughs> wow. Poop
0: Like a Champion is the name of the breakfast cereal.
2: I'm looking for it the next time I go to the store. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I do grocery delivery, so I'm going to get on the website and, and see if it's there.
0: Ultra fi- It comes in several different varieties, several flavors.
2: Let me go on my big box store website and uh, look up Poop and see what happens. Okay.
0: <laughs> poop Like a Champion. It's wheat-free, gluten-free. Non-GMO, so there's a selling point. Yeah, see see the ramblings we go off on in this show? Poop like a champion cereal. They're not even sponsoring this show, but you know what, ladies? I'll bet you you could get them to sponsor your show.
3: I bet we could. 13?
2: Old-timey oh, crimey bought you by Poop Like the a honey. Champion. Wow. It's uh, $13 for a box of the Honeygram. That's, that's a lot. That's expensive poops. <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon toast. Ooh, we have a, a cocoa flavor. Oh,
0: I don't think I want cocoa poop like a champion.
2: Oh, are you sure?
0: I'm pretty sure.
2: Well, now I know that that is a whole thing.
0: And you're ordering some, aren't you?
2: No.
3: Not at those prices. <laughs> Not at
2: those prices. Perhaps when it's in town. It's it's uh, currently, oh, like, two days shipping, and it's 13 to $14 a...
0: But what if you have to poop like a champion now? Yeah.
2: I have fiber gummies. (laughs) It's $18 for the cinnamon flavor.
3: And You're allergic to cinnamon, so I could pay $18 to um, die before I had a chance to poop like a champion. Well,
0: you would would poop like a champion after you died. It would just all come right out.
3: Oh, there you go, actually, yeah. Or you could race
2: and see what happens, the poop or the, the cease to breathe.
3: Yeah, you know what? I could just go to the cupboard and get the cinnamon out and not pay the $18.
0: There you go. That yeah. works, too.
3: That's a good point. Yeah. So, Do we want to continue talking about Martha Grinder?
0: Yeah, now that we know, they won't talk about poop in their things, but purging and vomiting is two different things. That sounds weird to me.
3: They. I mean, I just assume, unless they're just being repetitive in their writing, which, you know, occasionally I will get on the old-timey newspaper's case for their quality of writing once in a while.
0: I like the fact that they said burning th- in the throat. Mm-hmm. which really should have been the, the ding, 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 ding sign to everybody that something's coming up that's not supposed to be in there. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, so real quick, I did look it up on the Cleveland Clinic website. Um, arsenic poisoning symptoms include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Long-term exposure can cause uh, skin lesions and uh, bowel irrigation. Or, no, wait, that's a treatment is bowel irrigation. That sounds lovely. Oh, my. Sorry, should have read it a little further before I went off on that.
1: (laughs) Oh,
2: wait, here it is. Here it is. So you can show signs of poisoning within 30 minutes of high levels of exposure, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, cough, chest pain, shortness of breath, sore throat, abnormal heart rhythm, low blood pressure, pins and needles in your fingers and toes, red swollen skin and a garlic odor in your breath and body tissue.
0: Hmm. Wow, garlic odor. You know, I've heard the the, the poison symptoms of uh, like an almond smell but never a garlic.
3: Yeah, almond is with I think cyanide.
0: Cyanide.
3: Yeah, but not everybody gets the almond. It's like a weird genetic thing like the Yeah.
0: The,
3: yeah. Well, and then for those
2: neighbors that were uh, around it like longer term They could have the skin pigmentation changes, Mm. darkening of the skin, warts, lesions, hard patches on the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet, white lines on the nails, persistent sore throat, and constant digestive issues.
3: Man, they get those warts and somebody accuses them of being a witch.
0: You know, the scary thing is this. It's like it's like going to WebMD. You're looking up symptoms. Everything you're saying, I'm like looking at my fingernails. Are there lines there? Do I have things on my palms, on my feet? Are, are you like that, too? Like every symptom you read, you're convinced you have it?
3: That That's what was going on in my head, too. I was like, my fingers have been tingling lately.
0: Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I found out the other day I had this really bad pain, and, and I looked it up, and I'm still not sure which one it was. It is either a pulled muscle or bubonic plague. Not <laughs> the fence, but it's one of the two, according to WebMD. It's
3: a fifty fifty shot man. <laughs> um,
2: just just to give everyone a little bit of a sense of relief, the lines across the nails they're not up and down. They're across in like the center of the nail. they're They're called I believe knees lines. Okay. And they're, they're, they're very bright. They're very oh. noticeable.
0: Okay.
3: Any size of relief going across the world?
0: Many. Everyone's going, oh, because I have these weird lines if I look really closely at my nails going up and down, because I think everybody does.
3: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have like ridgy nails too.
2: Yeah, I do. I have the ridges in my nails too. And that's pretty normal, especially after you hit a certain age. But the Mies lines are going across the middle of the nail, and it's like a very white line compared to the rest of the nail.
0: Okay, so these people are getting sick immediately upon eating. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the one's going to the funerals. Hey, let's stop and have some peaches and cream first so, you know, we don't get hunger pains at the funeral. Oh, oh you're too sick to go now. Yeah. And
3: that's essentially it, yeah.
0: Wow. And the doctor's kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudging everybody, but not doing anything?
3: Essentially, because I, th- I honestly think they, they think she's just a bad cook.
0: Wow. So now she's got the the well, I can't say roommate because there was a divider separating their living spaces. Yeah. <laughs> but Mr. The Rutgers, page, essentially. Yeah. yeah. She, it's, it, I'm taking it that she had what you were describing as long term exposure.
3: Um, I think she was having long term exposure. Yeah. I would say both of them probably, both James and, and Mary. Um, and, uh, Mary started to do a little better out in the, in the country, but James had to come back, uh, to continue working. And he, uh, Mary, Martha kind of did the same deal. They had a funeral to go to. And, uh, Martha invited James to go along. She fed him some food and he was sick again. And then he continued to eat her food. She would even say as he was leaving to go back to his place, let me know if you get sick tonight and I'll come over and take care of you.
0: How sweet. Yes, what a yes, wonderful tonight. woman. Yes. Yes. And he's not putting two and two together that okay, we go to the country to get away to get value and we start feeling better, I come back and start eating their food again and up oh, there it is.
3: I honestly wonder if it's never really stated, but I honestly wonder if her coming from the south somewhat and um I just wonder if there's that aspect of southern hospitality. Have you ever been subjected to the southern hospitality? Oh, oh yeah. It's so wonderfully sweet, but man, do you, you, you walk out of there 10 pounds heavier than you came in. It's so hard to refuse food.
2: But also she puts on this, she's so nice and so lovely to everybody that you're not thinking, oh, it's her food. You're thinking maybe it's like mold in the house
3: yeah. or something in the air around here. They seem to constantly second-guess themselves. They will actually perform experiments where James will be like, okay, Mary, we're not eating anything that Martha prepared today. We'll only eat our own food. And they'll do that, and they'll be fine. And then the next day, for some reason, they'll talk themselves out of it, and they'll eat Martha's food again. It's almost yeah. like this this human thing of like they, they put the rose-colored glasses right back on the next day.
0: Well, it is, it is, you know, to their defense, there is an aspect of denial involved. Oh, you, sure. it, you see this a lot with serial killer cases when, you know, it'll come out afterwards that someone was doing some creepy shit, but the neighbors had convinced themselves that nothing, everything was normal, everything was fine, but as they look back at it, they're like, no, oh, no, things really weren't fine. But it's denial because no one wants to believe their next door neighbor's a serial killer. No one wants to believe this sweet woman's poisoning people.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's horrific first to imagine that your next-door neighbor could be a killer. Then to imagine that your next-door neighbor could be a serial killer. And that's not even next door. This is in your own house, technically. Yeah, Yeah. That's The partition. And then even further, to imagine that they're killing you or your spouse, and your spouse even. And, like, the steps to go through and actually accept all that are huge, the mental leaps you have to make. And I can imagine taking half a leap and then just being like, you know what? This is too hard. I'm no, I'm it's fine. Fu- everything's fine. Everything's fine. We'll just go back and everything will be OK.
0: Well, apparently it wasn't for Miss Carruthers.
3: It was not. In fact, uh, she did come back and uh, the cycle just went on to a frustrating degree for an outsider to watch. And five weeks after the initial meal that made her ill, Mary died.
0: Now, was there never an inquest at any of these deaths?
3: There was after Mary. Hers was really the big one Hers that the first? brought attention, yes, wow. because some of her stuff went missing, too. And finally, everybody was like, oh, look, a pattern, as if there hadn't been a really bright flashing pattern before. They're like, oh, look, a, a second time that someone has died under... Martha Grinder's care and their stuff went missing, but forget all the times that people got sick eating her food. That was nothing,
0: but yeah. So they now I'm taking it at this point, is the community turning against her or just kind of the law?
3: It's really starting to be the community. Um once she's arrested, it kind of becomes this big almost like a pop culture reference in a way. Um there's at one point in the like the lead up to the trial, there is a, a reference to a play that's going to be um, that's going to be going on at the opera house uh, in the evening. A repetition of the female detective, which succeeded admirably on its first production last night, together with the female poisoner, and then in parentheses it says not Mrs. G. <laughs>
0: It, it, I don't have to tell you to this because this is your field of expertise, but to the, our listening audience, this is not uncommon. I mean, during the height of the Jack the Ripper crimes, there were wax works in Whitechapel depicting wax figures of the bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they would do that. Um, the New Orleans axe murders never solved case. While they were going on, a hit jazz song about it came out. You know, which is actually a really cool piece of music. But, you know, th- this happens. They started nursery rhymes about Lizzie Borden while she was on trial. <laughs> <I> mean, <this laughs> yeah. Sensationalism around these kinds of things, it grips the public. So to see that they're doing um uh, loosely based on Stage play, at the time, doesn't shock me. It kind of sickens me, but it doesn't shock me.
3: Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. The public got very much almost involved and sort of emotionally invested in these kinds of cases. You'll see, uh, for instance, the, the Harry Thaw case uh, in the, the early 1900s with uh, Evelyn Nesbitt. You know, she was the, the Gibson oh, yeah. girl. Um, and uh, so so that case... I've seen references in newspapers, a little account of a, a bar fight that broke out because two patrons were arguing over the case. And so, like, a bar would put up a sign that you couldn't talk about the Thaw case. In that
0: <laughs> <car>. <laughs> I love it.
3: Right? <laughs>
0: but it, it, it is kind of disturbing how much crimes like this become pop culture to their communities and, and, and in some cases, to the world at large. I mean, like we said, the Ripper, uh the Lizzie Borden case—it was around the world. People were talking about that when it was going on. This seems to at least have been just regulated to their little community, but still, not a sh- not a shock. But you're saying the public pretty much turned on her; they, they weren't defending understand. their, yeah, yeah, they weren't defending their own.
3: Pretty much as soon as so what they did was they exhumed Mary's body because she had already been buried um, and they exhumed Jane Buchanan's body, the maid, and they did find arsenic and antimony in both bodies. So, yes, they were, in fact, poisoned um, and they searched the home. They found several papers containing a fine white powder and those were found with a pitcher of milk. They analyzed, they found antimony in large quantities, no mention of arsenic. I just assumed they found it. So uh, they also heard whispers, you were talking about George earlier, about George Grinder buying a whole bunch of poison from a drugstore, and they were able to corroborate that. So that's Which gets-
0: you could do then. I mean, mm-hmm. you could go into a drugstore and buy arsenic. Mm-hmm. You could buy strychnine. Uh, you under the name Rat Poison, of course, but I mean, you could just go and get this with no problem.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, and everybody would say like if if somebody was poisoned near then everybody would say like, oh I I had a rat problem, you know. It was yeah. or sometimes women would be like oh I bought it for my complexion because uh, supposedly arsenic did good things for your complexion, which is just horrifying. But um, yeah. As soon as all that came out, and as soon as she was arrested, there was just this wave of people. Um, The Pittsburgh Gazette said a score of living witnesses, neighbors of Mrs. Grinder, each of whom had sat at her table and been poisoned, appeared at the mayor's office and made their several statements, clearly demonstrating the fact that Mrs. Grinder had administered drugs or poison to them. So it just seemed like the floodgates opened as soon as people were like, oh, there's proof? Oh,
0: okay. I, I also think, it, it and th- this is weird, and I, I could be totally off on this one. You both can weigh in on what you think. It kind of wasn't publicly acceptable to admit to people of diarrhea, especially, or vomiting or anything like that. That was something behind closed doors. You didn't make that public. It wasn't something proper people would do. So I think a lot of people probably hid those things because... You don't air our dirty laundry to the to the public. But then when 50 or 60 of them are all together saying, hey, you had that too?
2: Yeah, because it really could have been denial. Maybe I just caught a little bit of a bug. And then after you hear about these two women that died, like, hey, I went to her house and got sick after. Me too. And me. Like, and it just... It, it snowballs, and everybody realizes that that's what happened
3: now because it might have been, like, only once or twice, and maybe there was a bug. And they all went to the doctor and told him, and he was the keeper of all this knowledge, probably didn't tell them, hey, all of your neighbors also got sick, so he's just standing there like an idiot that he is with all this knowledge and not telling anybody they're not telling each other, "Hey, I had horrible diarrhea and vomiting last night." They're just keeping it to themselves and maybe telling their doctor and assuming it's food poisoning or something. Yeah, that's going around. You read right, Martha's again?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I that 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 baffles me. That the doctor never he had to have put two and two together. Just the fact that he never said anything. Now, did he come and testify?
3: Um, I cannot recall honestly. I, I believe he did testify. I can't recall exactly like what he might have said. Um, regarding the, the, this was back during the period when reporting on testimony could be really, really rough to re- read, um, in the newspapers because a lot of it, I don't know how the hell they took notes for this, but a lot of it was verbatim. Oh, yeah. And it is, a lot (laughs) to parse through um they did have testimony from i do have this uh from some of the chemists who were involved in the testing and the analysis of the remains um some of the neighbors who had gotten sick when she fed or cared for them uh they did have doctors uh and uh uh, in addition to George buying poison, Martha had also sent a servant to the store to buy poison. Not one to do her own bidding.
0: Well, no. Um, and that's, now did that servant also get poisoned?
3: <laughs> or was it Jane? No, Jane was dead. She couldn't
2: testify. No, but she was already dead for before the poison was
0: gotten. Maybe that was one of Jane's errands.
2: Yeah, that's oh, what I was thinking. Hey,
0: I'm making cookies tonight. Go pick up my rat poison. Oh. And the servant didn't say anything.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. Well, she probably just assumed it was actually for rats. Man, yeah. there must have been a lot of rats. Uh, so, yeah. So there, there was there was a pretty thorough um, gathering of expert testimony, which for that time period was pretty rare. Um, it, it was it, there was not as much reliance on expert testimony as we have today. Not nearly so much. Um, so it was it was actually impressive how much they they relied on that but they didn't have i mean they don't have the preponderance of scientific methods that we have of of bringing evidence to court
0: yeah think about that you're talking about days of no forensics no expert witnesses it makes you wonder maybe this is cynical of us to look back and say how many cases did they get wrong
3: Oh, no, that's absolutely not cynical. That is absolutely true, because if you look today at how many cases are being exonerated due to DNA evidence and things yeah. like that, um, no, absolutely. I mean, for instance, just as, just as a for instance, they didn't really have much in the way of photography. So James had to identify his wife's body when she was exhumed. Um and then testify in court that he did view his wife's body when she was dug up from her grave, and it was, in fact, her. Uh He identified it by a small pin that she wore with her father's likeness on it. I mean, just that. When today it would just be take a picture of the body. We can do it that way, you know? <laughs> like,
0: Yeah. I mean, they had photography, but they weren't using it for that at that point.
3: Yeah, I guess they did, but, yeah, and it wasn't, you know, they probably wouldn't have gone to the expense of dragging it out for that when they could just drag James out and have him, yeah. you know, look. <laughs> um, this is actually really when the story of the brothers' deaths comes out. It hadn't really been, it doesn't seem like anybody actually really made the connection, despite what the one brother said about, you know, Martha Grinder did this to me until. How many years
0: later was it? It was just,
3: that was in 1864 and this is in 1865. So it's only about a it's year just, later, less than that.
0: So, yeah, so, just the-
3: yeah, but the bottom line is there's really no way to know how many victims she accrued, really.
0: Well, especially since we know so many of them didn't die. We, we're, You're talking there could be hundreds of people she poisoned.
3: Truly, yeah. I mean, we... <laughs> If you add up the ones that she, she didn't poison and the ones that she did, I mean, the ones that she did, we even have a, like a loose, like we're kind of like starting to run out of fingers on both hands if we get there, you know? <laughs> so it, the, the doctor is just like, you know, it, the whole neighborhood was just constantly sick. She was keeping me busy. You know what? I think that, oh, I figured it out. It was just money. The doctor was just, he was just happy to have patients and money. He
0: was cashing in.
3: Yeah, he was just cashing in. Maybe yeah. he was buying the poison for it, too.
0: Yeah. so Everybody else was, apparently.
3: I mean, yeah, really, like, everybody was in, anybody who was doing anything here was in it for the money. Martha, I really think, and as much as she enjoyed the killing, she also was using it for a purpose, like we talked about, like, trying to, you know, kind of whittle down the list of inheritors until it was just her and George.
0: I, I you know, again, this is going to be pure speculation um, on, on your part. We know, judging by that statement, that she did like killing. Of course, she could have been saying that after the fact to seem crazier than she was, like, you want to paint me into a boogeyman? I'll show you a boogeyman. There are people that do that. Do you think, yeah, she killed maybe the brothers to get closer to the a bigger chunk of the inheritance. um Carruthers to get the stuff she wanted to steal from her poisoning all the other neighbors do you think she was just uh just wanted power over people wasn't about killing them And it's just like i am the puppet master and i pull the strings i control your fates
3: it could have been a power thing i mean especially in it i would say in that time period but in most time periods women are born powerless grow up powerless
2: well, not her, though. She, she had herself a submissive husband.
3: Yep, she found herself a submissive husband. I don't know if she was looking for him, but she sure found one. And um I think she she found a way to get power, and she might have found it pretty early if uh, the stories of her family are true. And once uh, she found that, I don't think there was any turning back. So I think you might have something there with the idea of it being a power thing.
0: And the other thing is she obviously loved the attention. She loved that people would come to her to be treated. And if I make them sick, they're going to keep coming to me. It's all about me. It's me, 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 me. I'll get the attention one way or another. You know, it's a very narcissistic way of maybe not even being a serial killer, but a serial attention neater. And if some people died, so be it.
3: If some people died, all
0: the better. Yeah, especially the ones that get them out of the way. It's benefit to me. The other people, I don't care if my neighbors die. They're not going to leave me anything in their wills, and I'm not going to inherit anything. But I do want their attention. I do want them coming to me saying, oh, Martha, you're the only one who can help me and take care of me, and you're wonderful.
3: And then all the neighbors will feel so sorry for me because my good friends died, and then yep. I can just plunder her chest for anything that I want all you know, any clothes or money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: Yeah, and they'll all—they'll all love me and show me pity and sympathy, but at the same time they'll need me. What a bitch! You know, I hate her even more. I hated <laughs> her from the get go, but I'm hating her even more now that I'm putting thoughts into her head. <laughs> <laughs>
3: She definitely was really uh, quite something.
0: (laughs) Are there any known photographs of her?
3: Um, I don't. Why do I feel like I've seen her, but I haven't?
0: Because I wanted to look it up, but I'm like, you know what? I don't, because I want to be able to ask you two about this. Or descriptions of her. Was she considered... um, An attractive woman, a friendly woman.
2: So when she was younger, she was quite attractive. I did see lots of uh, descriptions of that.
3: Keen, sprightly, and dashing is one description I have of her. She had all the polish, strategy, and intellect in the uh, couple between her and George.
0: Well, yeah, we heard the description of George earlier. I mean, that wasn't very flattering.
3: Oh, wait, okay. Oh, yeah, I do have a picture. Yeah, here we go. Okay. This is supposed to be a picture of her. I will.
0: uh... Okay. It's an executed serial killer uh, portrait. So it's pretty obvious they're not going to make her look as good as they could on it. And yet she's still not unattractive.
3: No, she's certainly not. She has what appears to be dark hair in the sort of style at the time with like a part in the middle and then sort of a, a, a wide round bun right across the top. Her mouth looks a little crooked and weird. Um I don't know if that's an artist thing or if that's a reflection of reality. I don't think they got the proportions of her face right.
0: Yeah, I think uh, she's just making the original duck lips.
3: Um, yeah. <laughs> but she does appear to have like clear, sharp eyes, um, just sort of a neutral expression. Um
0: dainty hands. I mean it's a very, very feminine. Dainty. Like you see like the the like the wood block of um Mary Percy, the killer, and they made her look, you know, frighteningly mannish with giant teeth and these big man hands and, you know, which you'd see a lot with uh newspaper renditions of women killers or women criminals. They would really ugly them up and it's going to sound like I'm being misogynistic, but I'm not. At the time it was very much so. They would masculinize these women.
3: No, it definitely, what they did with uh, the the images of female killers said a lot more about the artist or the photographer than it did about the, the women.
0: Yeah, and in this case, they're not. I mean, she's still quite, even though it's an artist's rendition, she's still quite feminine looking, very dainty, um, not unattractive. So I can imagine she was probably even much better looking than that in real life.
3: Yeah, I would say probably
0: good for her <laughs> I mean she's still killing people and she's still a piece of shit but oh yeah now did anybody come to her defense during all this
3: not so hmm. much no i think everybody kind of knew that was a that was a lost
0: cause what about george
3: uh well george was also he was under arrest for a little while um he was uh, for um, kind of like an accessory. Um, I was
0: going to say, is he going to cover his own ass by, like, throwing her under the bus, or did he defend her?
3: He didn't really. I don't think he did anything. Yeah, he didn't really do much of anything. He's just kind of, like, George is just always kind of, like, going just going along to get along, just like, do 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 do, do just chugging along here. Um, he, What's a gonna, Yeah, yeah, essentially. He, he just kind of faded into the background, really um at that point, just tried not to draw any attention to himself
0: so martha the ta- the sordid tale ends with Martha being executed.
3: Yes, she was hanged. It was pretty quickly after uh, everything everything always happens really fast in a lot of the uh, old-timey justice system uh, stories. she The murder of Mary Carruthers happened uh, August 1865. The trial took place over five days in October 1865, and within just a couple of months, in January 1866, Martha Grinder was hanged. She did go to the gallows with more of a, you know, sort of I'm sorry for my sins kind of attitude, but I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just me. I read it almost with more of a, like, like this vibe of, like, you know, I've done some kind of bad things, but you guys, I'm pretty sure I'm getting into heaven. (laughs) She thought for sure. I'm a great,
2: great sinner, but Christ is a great, great savior. That was
3: after she tried to kill herself. I feel that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven me, and through His mercy, I hope to find an entrance into heaven. It just sounded like she was much more sure than somebody who has, uh, done the things she's done should really be. And she only ever confessed to, uh, the Carruthers murder and the Buchanan murder. She said the other ones she had nothing to do with.
0: It wasn't me. Really? She denied all responsibility. That's funny. You'd think she would brag about it, especially after that statement about her loving death and watching death. You'd think she would kind of brag like, yeah, I killed a bunch of these fuckers that you don't even know about.
3: Yeah. It's a weird about face, but yeah, I think, I think given that it's the confession that she gives like right before her death, like she, she writes it down and it's furnished to members of the press after uh, she goes to the gallows. Um, And I believe she writes it the day before, Um, I just, I think she knows that she has no choice but to admit to the Buchanan and the Carruthers murders, but she doesn't want to put into print anything else before she goes to meet her maker, as they put it, you know, Um, no matter what she said on the stand. It's one thing to say something out loud when the idea of the gallows is just an idea. It's another thing to say it out loud when the gallows is just outside your window. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. Not funny. I should not use the term funny with this, people. But I was just cheating and looking up to see Pennsylvania's record with executions and hangings. And it continued on for many, many years. It wasn't that uncommon. Uh Uh-huh. Now, were there a lot of women executed? Because what I'm seeing here, Catherine Miller was the last woman to be hung in Pennsylvania, which is funny they put that wrong. It's the last woman to be hanged in Pennsylvania. To yeah. say there was the last woman to be hung in Pennsylvania is kind of a different meaning altogether.
2: Well, this is but, grinder.
0: Yeah, This is grinder. but yes. Yeah, sh- so, but was the execution? In 1914, James Lindsay was the last two men hanged in Bucks County. So they were hanging people into the 1914, but were there a lot of women executed in Pennsylvania?
3: Um, I don't know that it was any sort of, you know, proportionally larger than any other state. I I think we,
2: so I actually have that in my original show notes. Oh, hey, okay. Uh, in the space of less than eight years, Pittsburgh had executed two women, the only two women it would ever execute. And that's in Pittsburgh specifically? That's for Pittsburgh specifically. Okay. They really? only had two executions, and it was those two.
0: Those were the only two women executed in Pittsburgh. And and, that's and I have
2: I, in my notes, so I don't know if I was correct because I wrote these months and months ago. Yeah, you could
0: have made it up. You know, we don't know. You, you you have been known to dabble in witchcraft, at I least have. historically.
2: Maybe but. somebody has time traveled since I wrote these notes and uh, altered the flow
3: of time. What I now, really want to know, uh, you've got me looking at um, death penalty stuff in Pennsylvania. And what I really want to know is there's this, uh, the last person to be publicly ex- executed in Pennsylvania was Charles Getter who was hanged on Getter's Island in Janu- on January 11th, 1833. Getter's Island, previously known as uh, Abel's Island, is a small island in the Delaware River. Um, do, I just want to know why it? they renamed it, after hi- apparently after him.
2: You get to, to be in charge of the island until somebody else gets hanged there.
0: <laughs> so, yes, okay, so executions were pretty common in Pennsylvania, you barbarians. You we know, gonna, it.
3: We're barbarians. Yeah.
0: But only two women executed in Pittsburgh. And unless things have really changed, I'm assuming Pittsburgh was always one of the two major cities in Pennsylvania.
3: Pretty much as far as I know, yeah.
0: Yeah, Philly and Philly Philly was one of the major cities in the world at the time.
2: But you know well, what? I don't know that they did a lot of the, um, the stuff like that in, in Pittsburgh itself because Pittsburgh started turning into like a more of a businessy kind of hub and all the jails moved out more rural.
0: That's a good point. Move it out of the county so you don't claim your deaths in your county. It's kind of a political move. It's kind of sleazy, but a lot of places did that.
3: That's true. Yeah.
0: So Martha is no more.
3: The Pittsburgh Poisoner.
0: What I love about this, and when I when I heard your episode about this, and, folks, you've got to listen to Old Timey Crimey on a regular basis because not only are these two adorable and hilarious, the show is fascinating. It is just incredible because, you know, I've studied true crime and weirdness my whole life, and I had never heard of Martha Grinder until their episode of the show. And it's such a wild case. You'd think they'd be more well-known. Why do you think Martha Grinder never caught on as a story that people knew?
2: I think Tough to make a it,
0: nursery rhyme?
2: Well, maybe. I feel like you could rhyme a lot if you tried. Um, but I think a lot of it is she only confessed to two deaths. There's a possibility of a whole lot more, and it's really kind of like, did she, didn't she? And people like the stories that have hard starts and stops, that you know all the the
3: details. I'm going to argue with that with two words. Sorry, three words. Lizzie freaking Borden. (sighs) Did she? Didn't she?
2: (laughs) She had a poem. Uh, Well, yeah. And an axe.
0: (laughs) And actually, she didn't have an axe. She had a hatchet. And they really grossly overstate the amount of wax by that (laughs) ax in both cases. So the rhyme really is not even close to the truth. And, you know, did Lizzie do it or not? It doesn't fucking matter at this point. It doesn't even fucking matter. If you ask 99 out of 100 people, they're going to say, oh, yeah, Lizzie Borden was found guilty of murder. No, she wasn't.
3: That's the hugely ironic thing about it to
2: me. Yeah. All you
0: need is a limerick. Martha Grinder didn't have a limerick. But think about that. Liz was found yet. not guilty. And yet everybody remembers her as this crazed killer. And she was found not guilty. Yeah. But, like you said, there was a limerick. Some
2: I've great children came up with <laughs>
0: I know that guy. And it's all lies, I'll tell you. <laughs> I met him on Grinder. Um
2: <laughs> But
0: they Jack the Ripper. We don't know who it was. There was only five murders that you could that most people agree he did. I think there were less. But yet it was the name that some enterprising journalist came up with, Jack the Ripper, and it just stuck. Lizzie Borden took an axe it stuck. But a case like Martha's is actually bigger more sinister in a way, and no one knows it.
3: Well, I think uh, one important thing there is that Lizzie Borden, uh, we talked about yellow journalism earlier. Lizzie Borden came along during the period of yellow journalism.
0: Yeah. And now you can stay at uh, in her bedroom at a nice bed and breakfast.
3: Yeah, yeah. So you have already these big, like, conglomerates with a huge motivation to bless any story with it bleeds, it leads, you know, any story that is sensational on the front page and try to make it as big and attention-grabbing as possible, whereas 30 years before that, when Martha Grinder was doing her thing, first of all, it's a poisoning case. Really, name any famous poisoning case, like famous household name, like Borden Ripper household name.
0: Well, um, the, the two I can think of Borgia,
3: uh, Borgia, maybe, maybe considered when we think poisoning. Those of us who are no true crime in okay. history think Borgia.
0: I I, Thomas N- Neal Cream, um, okay, the white poisoner, sure. uh, would be a big one. Um, the other one I could think of.
3: <sighs> I mean, poisoning just doesn't bleed. It doesn't bleed.
0: No, and a lot of times, especially like with the Neil Cream, it was a slow process, and he was he yes. got off watching that process was just which is sick. I don't know. You're right. I, I mean,
3: shootings, stabbings, hatchet jobs, stuff like that. That bleeds. That draws attention. Uh, that gets people to look and to read and to gather at the courthouse and you know to to go and and sleep in somebody's bed in a bed and breakfast a hundred years later.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, do you consider, you know, Holly Crippen a poisoner, though? Dr. Crippen. And, and and even if he did, it was one victim, but yet he's more famous than most killers because of the sensationalism in the journalists. You're right. Which make you girls jealous now. I actually know someone who bought and owns Holly Crippen's glasses.
3: Oh, that's so neat. You know, people yeah. with the coolest memorabilia
0: and one of his medical kits.
3: I just think it's the coolest thing that he was like the first transatlantic like police chase.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> they nailed him with the, uh, you know, with that. That's a fun kid. You know, I was just thinking, this would be an interesting show. we got to get a sponsor, the two of us. We'll do a sister podcast thing, brother yeah. sister podcast. We'll get, like, Poop Like a Champion or the bathroom buddy to sponsor us, <laughs> and we'll go do a live show from the Lizzie Borden house.
3: Oh, I love it. That would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> you know, here we are live in the Lizzie Borden house, and tell the world that she was found not guilty.
3: One of us turns around, and at some point, Amber's just standing there with a hatchet and a maniacal grin on her
0: face. I, you know, I thought for sure I would be thrown under the bus with that one, but I, I, I'm, I, I, yeah. If anybody here was uh, wielding the axe, I think it was the uh, the the witches the witches' uh, promise. Yeah,
2: it was totally me. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I cannot thank you enough for coming on to talk about Martha Grinder. we got to do more shows more often because you two are so much fun, and I love this. And you pull up these cases that I've never heard of, and you make me jealous because you're so, so much better than mine. Oh,
3: don't even say that. It, it is crazy, the cases that we find, though. I had no idea when, when this podcast <clears throat> was started how many cases there are out there that are just like – they're, they're absolutely bonkers and you've never heard of them. It just, it, it blows my mind every time I find a case and I'm like, this case is insane. And I'm like, how do people not know about this? So yeah, I keep, keep waiting for more crazy cases, I guess.
0: Well, that's what Martha shocked me for. I mean, it was a major city with major newspapers, a lot of victims. And she was a pillar of the community that people trusted and loved. You'd think the press would be all over that. Mm-hmm. And yet it forgotten to history. But you know what? Good on history for that one. Fuck people like Martha. They should be forgotten.
3: Yeah, maybe she should be forgotten. Yeah.
0: Except by people like us.
2: I'm trying to write her a limerick. <laughs> that's what you're doing over there. Oh,
3: she really is. I was.
2: I was, I was working on it.
0: Good question, because you got to come up with something either. Do you want to rhyme it with grinder or Martha?
2: Uh I did none of those. Ooh. I did, uh, there once was a dame from Kentucky who, tic, who took care of neighbors so lucky, for if you fell ill, she would be thrilled to give you the tea for your tummy. Ooh. That's
0: wonderful. I love it. I love it. That You know, that's it. We're going to have to have you write limericks for every show from now on. <laughs> Do
3: you see what you've done? Good
2: job. <laughs>
0: We're going to have a perfect corner. It's time for Amber's Limerick.
2: well I I feel like she deserves a a little bit of a limerick I did not end it the way that made me happy but it worked well enough
3: endings are hard to nail
0: what was the the last line give it to me again
2: to give you the tea for your tummy because Um, tea was one of the big things she would make for her patients
0: her peaches and creams were crummy (laughs)
2: her peaches and creams were crummy
3: The tea and arsenic was yummy.
0: I was gonna say yummy, crummy, tummy.
2: Well, so Um, technically it should rhyme with
0: lucky.
2: Oh yeah, that's
0: right. And I immediately wanted to go yucky. Sucky. Fucky. Ducky. Um, clucky. Bucky. Ooh, Bucks County. (laughs) Fucky. Yeah, you're stuck now. You see what you just did? You just made yourself a new feature on the show where you're going to be doing limericks.
3: Damn
0: it. Wait till you actually have one from someone from Nantucket, and you have to come up with a new one.
2: No, there's no way. I I can never get it out of my head.
0: No, no. It's the greatest poem ever written.
2: It is. It is.
0: I mean, you know, some people say Ginsburg's the Howl. Some people will say L- Lord Byron. No, it's the man from Nantucket.
3: You know, as someone who absolutely loves poetry and uh, feels it in my soul, pours over it uh, every chance I get, I have to say um, I
0: agree with you both.
2: to recite it, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure we can't say the C word on here.
0: <laughs> well, just say anything you want it.
2: If my ear were a like punch, I would fuck it. <laughs>
0: That's right. You could say anything you want on this show. The hate mail comes to me. <laughs> ladies, 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 I am so thrilled whenever you can join us because it is just the most fun. Even though we talk about dark topics. And, and, and you know, another thing, don't send the hate mail to any of us. We make light of topics like this because sometimes you have to just to like stomach the reality of these horrible cases and these horrible people. And um, we're not mocking the victims. We're not making fun of people who are victims of crimes. But you know, Mar- Martha deserves to be made fun of. Let's face it. Yeah, she's a yeah. piece of shit.
3: In a way, I think it's. I think it helps to understand these things without being so hurt by their existence. That's why we take light of them.
0: And, and again, to Martha's um, relative out there who suggested the show, sorry we keep saying she's a piece of shit, but uh, she's a piece of shit.
3: And and you're not because you're cool because you listen to us and like us and suggested that we uh, look at Martha, which is uh, pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all have black sheep in the family. I just discovered a black sheep that we will eventually talk about on the show that far outdoes Martha, let me tell you. <laughs>
0: Oh, I cannot wait. See these, you teases, you teases.
3: <laughs>
0: but seriously, folks, you gotta subscribe to Old Timey Crimey. It is just, look, the best shows on the planet are, you know, the Strange Sessions, Old Timey Crimey. Um, what are some other good podcasts? You know what? I don't like promoting most people's podcasts. Yours and Strange Sessions, I will always promote because they're the, they're the two best, two best in the world. Somewhere um, down the list is transatlantic history ramblings, but that's way down the list.
3: Well, I love transatlantic history ramblings, and I love The Constant, uh, which has a history of getting things wrong. <laughs> um, um, I have a thing, actually. I haven't specifically made the connection um, on my family tree, but I have reason to believe that I may be like sort of a redheaded stepchild-type ch- connection to Princess Diana. It's – uh. Henry VII's great-grandmother um, was married to my, like, 17th great-grandfather, but he was not Henry seventh. He was Henry VII's, like, step-great-grandfather.
0: All right, so i got to ask you this. If you're related to, to, to Diana, be honest Step. with me.
3: Step-related.
0: Step-related to Diana. You could both answer this one. How come you never saw her and Wayne Gretzky in the same room? I think they're the same person.
3: I have no argument for that. I got nothing.
0: Just look up a picture of either one of them now and tell me it's not them.
3: I mean, I I, I literally have no argument. Well, I've never seen either of them in a room. That also.
0: Yeah, I mean Wayne Gretzky and her, Princess Die were so identical that I once went to his restaurant in Toronto and there was a portrait of him on the wall and my girlfriend looked and she goes, "Why do they have a portrait of Princess Die on the wall here?" <laughs> that is not a joke. That is one hundred percent true.
3: <laughs>
0: one more pressing question before we sign off for the night Okay. will you promise to come back on
3: of, of course, course yes always
0: you were both thinking I was going to ask if you had a shed for my wood weren't you <laughs> you both had that terrified look at your face like what's the question going to be
3: we thought you were going to zig and you zagged
0: Oh, uh, Amber, Christy, you are the best. I love you both. You've got to come back down. we got to talk more crazy crime. we got to talk. Oh, and my cats are surrounding me now, like, feed me now or we will kill you in your sleep.
3: It has gone long enough. <laughs> I, can, I can see the bottom of
0: the bowl. <laughs> yeah, oh, especially that little one I showed you, Billy. Oh, he's an asshole. <laughs> but from the beautiful execution capital of Pennsylvania... and brian in buffalo new york good night
2: Bye. bye
1: that's only that that's because you're a fucking
2: liar